Hi, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl, and today I'm terribly pleased to be speaking with Dr. Cloda Dowling, who is a clinical psychologist and director of psychology at St. Patrick's Mental Health Service in Dublin, Ireland. A deeply compassionate and wise person, only equaled by her humility and sense of service. She now oversees and helps facilitate a vibrant array of CFT programs at St. Pat's. She's a clinician, researcher, trainer, and she's part of a wonderful team of CFT therapists doing amazing things in Ireland. I hope you enjoy being in session with my friend, Dr. Cloda Dowling. Well, welcome. Oh, hi, um, To Compassion in a T-shirt in session. Uh, mm. I am so pleased that, that you could join me for a, a conversation. I, I know that you're pretty busy at the moment. Yeah. So I, I, oh, really do, I do appreciate that. And, and I think we've known each other for a number of years now. But um, yeah, I was so honoured a few years ago uh, when you invited me to St. Pat's and... Um, mm. We, we ran the, the motivational interviewing workshop and, and that was sort of all things motivation and, and ambivalence and compassion. And, and uh, yeah, it was a really, well, it was, a, it was quite a peak experience for me. Really, it, it was really great to, to be there with you all and, and the, 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 your amazing kind of colleagues there that, that yeah. are, are doing such great work and, and um and, it was and great also, fun I know for you. Us. We really enjoyed it. Yes, I, I know you and and your colleagues also often come to the the Compassionate Mind Foundation conference. Yeah. Um, and I, I always and remember that there's <laughs> there's always a buzz, you know, like when you all arrive, that people are like, you know, the Irish are here, the Irish are here. <laughs> and so, I think we, we feel like it's our second family. You know, we 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 love the community, and it's. And it's lots of learning, but it's a lot of, lots of just soothe time, isn't it? And connection time. And um, I, I think we all really felt not seeing everybody properly this year or last year even. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's definitely our annual event um, that we really, really enjoy. Mm. Um, mark out in our diaries a long time in advance. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much joy. And, and, um, and you guys really do bring a lot of joy. Uh, mm. the, the, you and all all of your colleagues there, and and so, um, but no, I I agree. It's it's a it's a wonderful time that that yeah. we all get to have. But um, so I, I wondered whether we could just start if you could sort of just tell us a little bit, I guess, about yourself and and um, your work and and maybe uh, you know where it all fits in with you and and in your life and so on, and maybe what's really kind of exciting you or interesting you a little bit at the moment yeah what, what, what would you say to all that oh well I, I guess it's, it's hard to talk about me without talking about St Pat's and St Patrick's um, mental health service is where I work and, and obviously that's in Dublin Ireland and it's um, the, the, I think the biggest non-for-profit organization in Ireland and we love compassion there we, we roll out a lot of compassion focused interventions and I think I've been doing so since 2014 so mm. I guess part of what inspires me and my team is is group work and um, the joy of doing group work the connection of doing group work and I, I think in 2014 a couple of my colleagues Katie Baird and Jennifer Gibson saw Paul Gilbert speak and came running back to the department in the hospital saying we've got to do this we've got to do compassion focused therapy wow yeah. um so we had us all reading chapters of Paul's book um, for mm. months and, and I think from there, my just love for compassion and joy and wanting to teach it and learn more and help people on their journey, just inspired from my own journey and from my colleagues mm. um, and from training. So I think at the moment, our general CFT team, so a group of, of psychologists who run the CFT program just for general transdiagnostic difficulties, mm -hmm. they have done 30 groups, um, which I think is just amazing. Mm. <laughs> So all of, of groups, yes. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, not 30, yeah, 30 cycles of, of groups. So wow. I think each group yeah. is about 18 um, sessions long. 
So to see their outcomes and to see um, the amount of clients and St. Pat's who are working on self-criticism and reducing shame. And then as you do that, of course, other symptoms of depression, anxiety are, are, are all reducing. Mm. Um, just is, is amazing. And, and we, we do have a big wait list of clients wanting to do this group. So we'll need more psychologists and more groups to, to meet that need. Um, but just to, to hear Claire Atkins that particularly talk about the group and, and Rachel Egan, I think who you know as well. Mm. Um, that, that inspires all of us. Mm. Um, and, and from um, the others bringing CFT to, to the hospital, myself and some of my colleagues then started thinking about how to bring compassion to people with eating difficulties. Um, so I think you, you met my colleague Gillian Doyle. She's not with us mm. at the moment, but myself and Gillian set up uh, uh, on the inpatient ward where you also helped us and worked with the team there mm. and Clara just gentle compassion focused therapy skills for people with, with severe eating difficulties. Mm. And since then we've developed a bigger uh, program with the help of Ken Goss and, you know, we, we, we um, deliver like a day program, half a day a week for 30 sessions for people with bulimia and anorexia and binge eating difficulties. Mm. And our, to, to see again, how to, how to keep developing the program and improving it and doing research and getting our, our clients feedback I think at the moment it's really peaked, you know, that we're, we're seeing people reduce a lot of their difficulties. And I suppose what inspires me is that at the time, working a lot on, on eating and managing eating and including three meals, three snacks and bringing compassion. But by the end of the programme, people are doing that and actually we're getting behind what the eating difficulties are. We're getting to the emotions to the core and childhood difficulties to maybe traumas. Um, and, and the clients have the capacity to go there without using the eating disorder to, to cope or to, uh, or, or to protect themselves. Um, and that, that really inspires me that, you know, that's just amazing to be part of. Mm. Um, and, and then more recently, our other, other programs that, that we do in, in the hospital that, that, that I support and, and, and of hearing about as we have a group of psychologists working with people with psychosis and bringing compassion to to people with who have diagnosis of, of psychosis and again that's um just incredible to hear people who have had such a difficult time and so much trauma maybe when they leave hospital feeling such shame that they have a program to help a group program to connect to others to understand their difficulties from a psychological perspective um to understand you know, things that are so scary for them, but actually have compassion and connection and reduce um, self-criticism. Um, and, and I know from the team there that Mary and Myrna is, was working on, who I think you also know, they want more and they want longer groups and more interventions. Um, so it, it just, I think the, the more we do, the more we need to do. And, and that's, that's keeping us busy, but it's, it's flowing, the, question, the flow of compassion is, is coming through even more. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the trauma program that, that we've developed, my, mm. myself and my colleagues. And obviously Deborah Lee has been a huge inspiration and Deirdre Faye um, and their work. So I think we try to combine their work into a, into a comprehensive trauma program. And, and we're, we've done our third cohort, our third cycle of that program. And I, I guess that that's something that I, you know, I'm just so grateful to be able to do that. We're in, in a hospital like the Hospital of St. Pat's is 270 years old. So mm. it's, mm. you know, it's seen all the different types of mental health disorders from, from way back in the day. And, and to think that now we have a trauma program where we're looking at, and obviously you probably know a little bit of the history of Ireland, you know, and the, the suffering Irish people have had and the abuse, mm. to be thinking that actually we're opening that up and we're looking at that from a compassionate lens. And, mm. um, and again, people doing this in a, in a group having each other and not being alone and and being able to support each other through that um and Deborah always says you know trauma doesn't get better in isolation so to be able to do this work in a group is usually inspiring I think a lot of the times we're doing the program I'm in a mixture of kind of my own compassionate state of joy and sadness and in touch more with my emotions when, when you're with people who are really being brave and and going towards their emotions and their suffering um, so I, I think I suppose what I'm trying to say is the work we're doing is, is really inspiring and the people I'm working with are really inspiring. Mm. Um, and the structure that allows us to do this work in St. Patrick's Hospital is, is really inspiring that yes. um, we get so much support to, to do these programs. 
um, which I'm really grateful for and delighted like um, St. Pat's is stretching across Ireland because you know we, we have little clinics in Cork and in Galway so it's reaching further and further mm. I think compassion is a huge part of that too. Mm. Mm. Um, Oh, look, my, my, my heart fills, you know, listening to you talking about that stuff. I mean, there's just so many wonderful things that I'm, I really piqued my curiosity and I'd, mm. I'd like to, to hear more about actually, but, but just the, the, um, the totality of all of that as in your mm. service. I mean, it must, it must be one of the, the few places in the world where it has such a comprehensive um, compassion-focused approach to mental yeah. health, and and across a, a range of of you know, presenting problems or conditioning and suffering, and and it's just it, it's just so inspiring to hear that that well the organisation and all of the people in the, in it have yeah. created this. I mean, it's... yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and I I I, I, I think it's. All things start with small steps, don't they? And yeah, I think that's a learning in compassion. And what we say to our clients is small steps, and great things mm. come with small steps. And mm. when I say I remember all of us sitting together reading Paul's at the Blue Book, you know, and Katie Barrett saying one chapter a week, that, that's how it started. Um, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a there's a um famous Australian singer, Paul Kelly. I don't know if he's made it to Ireland. He might have, but um Yes, one of his lines is from little things, big things grow. And you guys have yeah. done that. There's no doubt about it. You know, that's, that's incredible. One thing you did mention, though, and you talked to me about it when I was visiting there, and that is a little bit of the history of St. Pat's. Um, yes. Because it does have a very rich history, both in terms mm -hmm. of what mental health really, you know, used to be and, and so on in, in the very early um, days of it. Um, but also the way that it's it's sort of moved as well and mm. across time and and changed with with the times and and so on. Mm. I mean, can you give us a, a little snapshot of of I know that I'm springing that question on you a little yeah. bit. But yeah. What, what's what's the some of the history there with St Pat's? Yeah, Jonathan Swift um, founded St Pat's and mm. he was a satirist. He wrote uh, Gulliver's Travels. Right. Um, yes. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think he'd worked in Bedlam in, in, our, in the UK. Um, so that kind of really grim sense of, of, of a, a madhouse or mm. not knowing what to do with people who were crazy. And mm. he wanted to help and understand and, and kind of had a sense, you know, 270 years ago that actually um, we needed to have better provisions and services for people who were struggling. Mm. So he, um, he left money in his, in his will to set up St. Pat's. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know how much it was, but probably equivalent to like two million or something. Yeah. And so it was able to start up for a, for a little while and then developed and developed. Um, and I think he had said that he wanted, it was, it was awful, like he wanted to set up a service for fools and madmen or something. Right. Um, right. And that then was the language the, of the day, I suppose. <laughs> that was the language of the day. Yeah. So, so, but it was better than, than, than nothing. And, and then mm. over the years, it improved and improved and improved. And the different governors, the different people in charge were able to build more humane, um, and more training, more education, which is probably where we were so kind of open with training and education then. I think that was probably key around training and staff and, mm. and nurses and um, and also like better conditions. Um, mm. So I, I think I'm probably not the best historian, but you, you go onto St. Patrick's Hospital website, yeah, right. you'll probably get more information. Yeah. But, but well, it is something that, you know, when, when you, you've been in the hospital and you see these grand pictures and you see pictures of Jonathan Swift and there is the, every now and again a moment of, I wonder what he'd make of it now. You know? yes. um, yeah. Well, it does sound like the, the initial seed was coming from a compassionate mo uh, motivation, really. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it was seeing suffering. It was being aware of wanting to be helpful and finding a way of alleviating yeah. that suffering and, and, and wanting to do better, you know, that, that Absolutely. sort of it, 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 I mean, he was a colourful character from what I remember you saying and, and so on. But, but certainly, yeah, that, that, that kind of compassionate motivation right from the start. I, I was wanting to, to sort of now check in a little bit about that first exposure, I guess, to compassion and to CFT, because I, I get the sense there that, like me, you know, people were, were sort of listening to Paul 
basically. And it was kind of yeah. like, you know, wow, you know, like it's it sort of mind blown type feeling. And, and I, I always find that, you know, listening to Paul, there, there's just so many things he says every time that just creates this food for thought and, and these, these it's, it's so stimulating and interesting. And you think about application. Yeah. I think that's the thing for me is, is that, that you can't help but thinking about application. So yeah, tell us a bit more about the, the guys when they, then they brought the, this idea back and then, then your exposure to all of that from there. Yeah, so the reading was, was amazing and I was thinking, I actually want to know more about this. So I went to a training with Paul and I can't remember, I can't even remember what it was now, but I remember I was in some kind of minor conflict about something and I, he was talking about being in conflict and about compassion. I was trying to get my head around compassion and hmm. how, you know, how could I have compassion here in this situation? And he was saying, well, if you can't even find compassion, when you're in conflict and you can't find compassion immediately, just have compassion for the fact that you're in the conflict and the other person's in the conflict. Hmm. And that nobody got up in the morning to say, I really want to be in conflict today, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I remember that just penny dropped there. And, and ah. I thought, wow, this is such a, again, that idea of application, how you can apply compassion in so many ways. Hmm. And it's not what you typically think it is when you hear the word compassion. It, it's hmm. much more, there's so much depth to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there was I, really I'm, that that kind of almost just the experience of it, the, the being able to yeah. notice the kind of, um, I don't know, maybe a slight block there almost, you know, there, there was exactly. kind of a block that, that arose for you. Um, yeah. But then just this slight sort of shift of perspective and, and, and then it, and the penny dropped, you know, it, it, it yeah. kind of made sense. Yeah. And it's applying it to yourself, isn't it? It's, it's learning how to be compassionate first. And I think that that's the, walking the walk is so important um, mm. when, when actually really working on compassion with the client, it's, it's actually, do you live and breathe this, this? Do you apply it? Do you know your mm. blocks? Mm. Um, how do you stick with compassion when it's really hard? Cause that's when it's compassion, isn't it? It's, when, it when it's hard to, to be compassionate is, is true compassion. How did you feel when this idea of of the three flows came up and this this notion of uh you know being a, a clinician or a therapist and and being very compassionate towards others and and then sort of suddenly thinking i have to allocate some of that to myself and so on i mean how, how did yeah. that land for you when it first came <laughs> I have a really clear memory of that um, when we were first running our uh, CFTE group. Um, I think my colleague Gillian must have been away um, and I was sick mm. and I was thinking no way I can cancel this group you know um, mm. I, I just I can't let people down I have to go to the group I have to deliver it. Mm. So you know I was quite sick I had a really bad cough and cold um, so up I went went to work delivered a group um, thought it's not great now nobody missed a group and I was able to do that and then later that day I couldn't speak my voice was gone because I should have been in bed minding myself yes. and, and then and I should have cancelled the group because I'm delivering a compassion group but actually I'm not doing compassion for myself by coming mm. when, when I'm sick and being harmful to me mm. um, and, and then I had a spiral of shame you know who am I doing a compassion group for people with eating difficulties when I can't even be compassionate to myself so mm eventually in, in supervision I, I kind of was able to go and hang on can I have compassion for the part of me that was dutiful that didn't want to let people down and that maybe finds it hard to put myself first and, and that's compassion so so instead of getting stuck in the spiral of geez I can't even do this you know and yeah. it was how to be gentle with well why didn't I do you know what was my intention and actually what yeah. in my terms of my three circles what is it that I need to work on and, and I think that that memory does stand to me when I am not well or when my colleagues aren't and thinking well actually we're all human and mm. we all have to model this for, for everybody and actually mm. again being self-compassionate isn't easy you know it's, it's mm. not that you know, most of us um wouldn't take a day off easily you know mm. because we're, we're committed mm. but but it's also to be as committed to others to ourselves too in our own relationship with ourselves so I, th I think that that's a real memory for me yeah. of, of layers of layers that makes sense to you 
of layers. Do you yeah, know? layers was exactly the word that was in my yeah. mind. It, it's it's yeah. multi-layered, isn't it? Because first there's this moment of deciding, you know, whether or not to run the group. And then there's this moment of self-criticism or, or even shame about having run the group and not being properly compassionate, even though it's a compassion group. Um, and then there's another layer of being able to step back again and see that process unfolding and bringing, bringing kind of compassion in the end to all of it and, and, and you know, recognising that we have certain urges, certain desires, feel, thoughts and feelings, lots of them we'd rather not have but we have them because we have tricky brains um, and we do too, you know, not just the people we're working with. Yeah. 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 And I think it reminds me of something we say in, in group, you know, when you, when you reduce or take away your safety strategies, then you kind of realize what's going on behind that. And that's compassion to sit with that. So mm. for me to think, well, what's going on behind my need to come in, even though I'm sick, Mm. Um, and if I wasn't to do that, what would I, what would I have to tolerate? You know, mm. what, what, what distress would I have to sit with around the thought of I've let people down? Mm. Um, and again, when we're working with people with eating difficulties, we're asking them to let go of their safety strategies and mm. then asking them to sit with actually what is the pain behind that or the distress behind that. So if, mm. if I can't do that or if we can't do that, I notice when we're not, we can't do it perfectly all the time, mm. um, then, then there's something amiss. So, mm. so I think doing running a group, you're, I'm always learning. And, and it, it is really important to have an eye on my own blind spots and for all of us to have good supervision. And, and, and that's, again, mm -hmm. something as a psychology department we really value is having an, another person there with us saying, well, what's going on there for you and how can you separate that out from your clients? Mm. Yes, you can really see the qualities, the, the, the wisdom, the strength and courage, the commitment to being helpful, not harmful, all, all of those things yeah. kind of weave through all of it. It, they, it weaves through perhaps the group and, and the content there and the processes we're working with others, but it weaves through our own self-reflection and and um you know deliberative practice almost really yeah. and and being able to to it's almost a, a little professional personal bridge that happens there a little bit isn't that even for the therapist mm. who learns mm. a thing or two uh, about themselves i do like paul's mm. notion of mind awareness you know yeah. just that that's sort of awareness and understanding of of one's own mind and he does that movement doesn't he, he sort of goes what's what's behind yeah. <laughs> he uses his yeah. hands and he says what's behind yeah. uh, and i think by that he, he's talking about motives you know and, and yeah. that's the so some motives are more drive system motives and our need to to, to sort of achieve and some are more threat system motives now mm. fears about how we'll be judged but yeah just sort of yeah yeah. You, yeah. you actually mentioned seeing behind the difficulties with respect to the CFT group for those who have eating or, you know, related concerns. Um, what, what have been some of the, the insights there, you know, sort of using CS, CFT in, in, um, in groups with, with people who are really yeah. struggling in that way with eating and weight and yeah, lots. And, and, and Ken Goss supervised us. So I think I've, I've, I've internalized him in some ways in, in, in the group. And, and one of the things I guess from Ken I've internalized is that courage um, and sometimes compassion isn't always popular. So I mm. think I would, there's a part of me that would love to not have meal plans and not do weighings and, oh. and just do compassion. And then there's the part of me that knows I have to have the courage to do those things because if I don't, that's harmful to people with eating difficulties that oh. um, they, they do need to work on, on meal plans and eating. They do need to know their weight to help with the wisdom and the knowledge and the psychoed and CFT and understanding their body. Mm -hmm. And I think when, you know, early on when, when clients didn't want to be weighed or when clients were really struggling with the meal plan, I could hear myself say, oh, but they're really working on the compassion skills, you know, mm. and, and, and kind of be like, but eating is compassionate. That's a compassionate behavior. Mm. Um, so, so having to work on, okay, I mightn't be very liked right now when I remind the, the, the group or a person about the biology part, but actually that's my intention is to be helpful and harmful. And, and if I didn't do that, this person's health would, would, would deteriorate and mm. I wouldn't be doing my job. And, 
I know that sounds easy to say, but it, but it's been it's been hard. But it's also, I think, then the client. What, what's wonderful is then, if, say, if somebody in the group is really struggling with biology part, because myself and my team have modeled that. Mm. Actually, I hear the clients say that to each other, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, I, I've even though this is taken a bit out of me, and this is really important. I think I'm even getting myself big, you know, strong to say it. Um, to, to then know that I'm modeling that for other group members who then can be wise mm. and strong and say that to their group member. That group member is going to listen to it more from, 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 from their group member than they are necessarily from me. Mm. Um, and then that group member who's given that advice to somebody else, their time will come when they'll be struggling with the meal plan and, and they'll actually have to take the flow of compassion from someone else. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so, so that, that's been tough just because it probably wasn't in a lot of my training that I did it wasn't something that that I was really comfortable with um and maybe again there's my own blocks part of wanting to be liked or you know not wanting to upset somebody and and then Mm. bringing in the wisdom of actually well sometimes when you are being compassionate it might be upsetting but but it's because you care enough to not Mm. to not worry about not being popular that you care enough about the person and you care Mm. about, about doing the right thing um, so that's yes. a big thing for me. That's a big thing, you. and and I, I, I yeah I appreciate that. There's there's sort of almost it, it can feel like um, you know sort of almost ethical dilemmas in a way, can't it? In those moments, you know what what is the compassionate approach here, and what is really mm. necessary, and, and you know for 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 treatment and for well being and and for being helpful rather than harmful, and it takes quite yeah. a bit of mm. um, wise consideration to to, to sort yeah. of think about that, and then strength and, and courage to to follow through yeah 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 and, and that idea that when you are working with someone with eating difficulties you're you are taking where they see you and you are in some ways trying to take away something that they depend on all the time and i don't know about your eye but if it's something you really care about and i try to take it from you you'd probably fight me or you know or you know cling on to it or avoid me or appease um so i think it's it's how to do that compassionately um, mm. and, and collaboratively yes. so that it's not you taking something it's the person kind of working on letting it go and, and understanding and honoring mm. what the absorber has done for them um, especially the costs of it now mm, especially when what we're taking is the thing that often helps them feel safe or, or, okay. or seek safety at least and, and um, yes that, that, that it, it, it sort of does help them to feel somewhat better in that shorter term and yet we're suggesting that 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 it should be sort of different somehow and and so it takes you know courage for the clinician to explore you know the the kind of helpful rather than harmful and and then kind of approach the person in in these ways but it takes enormous courage for the Mm -hmm. person themselves doesn't it really to to think gosh absolutely you know to be compassionate towards myself is to do something that's that's terribly terribly scary. Yeah. Is the heck out yeah. of me, you know. And to, it's unknown. I don't unknown. know what's going to show up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the courage there, and and um, and and quite often, really, uh, compassionate, especially self compassionate behaviours, aren't necessarily the easy option. You know, that they're, they're sort of the thing that are most likely to be helpful towards our well-being, but not necessarily the things that will make us feel good right now. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've recently had to get my tax done and you know, <laughs> <laughs> that never feels good, but I knew it was good for me sort of thing. It was, it was almost yeah. self-compassionate to dedicate a weekend to doing that stuff, you know, because, yes. of, you know, but I know that's yeah. a silly example, but, uh, you know, it's that sort of thing that people face. I know, and it's that ambivalence that often people who come to CFT have the costs of, of the difficulties outweigh the intended consequences or the, or the safety strategy, the functional safety strategy, but they're still, it's been there all my life. And I, I know I want to let it go, but actually I, I also don't. And, mm. you know, it's working with the part that, that, that does, and, but also working with the part that doesn't and what the meaning of it is for you. And how, as you said, how, how scared you might be without it. Mm. Um, and and that's where I think where compassion comes in is because you know you're you're not just taking something away you are helping people learn a new way of being to themselves mm-hmm. and, and others and I think in some of our outcomes in our research it's been really helpful for me to see that there's this part of a compassionate identity that begins to emerge mm-hmm. but but often towards the kind of towards the end of the group 
some of our clients will say, actually, I'm, I don't know who I am right now because the eating disorder has been such a big part of me and, and I have moved away from it. And actually, now the symptoms are a little bit less. Oh, I'm scared, you know? And, mm. and, and that's the bit I really like about compassion is that when the group finishes, there's still lots of change that will happen around building your compassionate identity. You know, that mm. you've hopefully given people ways to be, to see things differently, to relate to themselves differently. And, mm. and that doesn't stop when the group stops. Mm. Um, so it's, it's terrifying and it's exciting. Mm. Um, mm. And, and then Ken always says to us, and you can always say, you can go back to the eating disorder if you wanted, but try this and then you have a choice. But mm. when the eating disorder is your strategy, you don't, you, you haven't had a choice. You know, you've been mm. in danger and you respond in a way that's protective initially. Mm. Yeah. What sort of work do you do in terms of multiple selves or parts and, and so on? Can you comment on, on some of that? Yeah, so say we, we, we do the psychoed and skills and then we, we go to the therapy part and, and that's where we start um, with people taking their weight and also um, with the meal plan. So say somebody comes to group and, and they've taken their weight obviously individually and they come back into group and the threat system will be on. And there will be lots of negative thoughts that I'm fat or I put on weight. Um, and, and we would do multiple selves then. So right. we would unpick all the different emotions that maybe have been triggered by that stressful situation of being, of being weighed. Mm. Um, and then bring the person's compassionate mind online and the group's compassionate mind online for the person. Mm. Um, and in that, it, it does help to think about it. It gives every part a voice. So it listens to actually what is the fear about gaining weight. Mm. Um, but also what are the other emotions that maybe are coming up? Mm. And how do we bring compassion to that? Mm. Um, and another skill that we do, which is, again, you, it, it's when the group members have, a, have enough capacity to do this. So you do this thing, and, and Ken, Ken and myself designed it called mini formulation, mm. where you, after being weighed, um, one person might say, well, what, what's your negative thought? Or what's the, the, your threat system saying to you right now? So they would say, whatever it is. And then each group member would ask another question about that thought. So it's almost like you're kind of put laddering and getting behind the core threat belief. Um, and, and in that way, we get to, it starts with, I'm worried about being fat, but actually it'll get to something much more deeper and much more core for the person. So it, it has an understanding of actually, when I know my weight, this is the part that gets triggered, but actually it's bringing me back, way back into something, into the past or a fear that I, that I didn't quite know I had, I didn't quite have the words. Mm. Um, mm. And then it's maybe bringing compassion to that. Mm. But what, what's really nice about that is the group are learning to tolerate the distress as well, to stay with the person. And even though the person maybe is finding it hard, that they are listening and they're being sensitive to suffering rather than, oh, no, don't go there. Here's tissue. You know, it's OK. They're, they're being really courageous yes. in staying with the person around that suffering. Yeah. Um, and the person obviously is being very courageous. And the people asking the questions are also the group. It's not no point just myself and myself is having great questions. You know, we want the group to be curious. Yes, yes. And, and many of the questions that they will ask will, will actually resonate for them. So they're learning how to do this for themselves when they get triggered, when an eating sort of thought comes up for them, that they're learning how to sit with that themselves and then think, what you know, again, thinking about, well, what's, what's behind that thought? What's going on for me around that? What's my mm. fear? What's my motivation? Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're little ways um, yeah and, and the, the the thing both with the the way you might incorporate the multiple selves and and the the exercise that you've developed really taking advantage of, of the group context and and the, the the flows of compassion and, and the way that we can come together and and explore and and sort of also you know find our way through this sort of stuff mm -hmm. I, I can really see the the sort of absolute benefit there of, of groups group work yeah well yeah. what was that little yeah. exercise called that you developed with ken i just uh, mini formulation mini formulation mini formulation yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, it's learning you know because obviously in cft there's big formulations and it's learning how to do a mini formulation on on, on, on the spot around on, small triggers. on the spot and and to do with yeah. things that have happened sort of thing and that that's brought to the group on that day hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Ken, Ken Goss is, is a, 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 a wonderful fellow. I, I actually published a paper with him once. <laughs> uh, it was just a review paper. But, um, and you mentioned as well, Deidre Fay and, and Deborah Lee. So you've had lots of really wonderful people there. Um, what, what's been the, your, experience, uh, your experience with the, the trauma groups too then? You know, how, how are they yeah. sort of set up and how are they working? 
Yeah, the trauma group, we, we have um, three stages. So we, we kind of take to determine the first stage of stabilization and then second stage of telling your story and memory reprocessing. And the third stage of that kind of idea of post-traumatic growth or moving on. And, and we've, 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 we, we're moving on from the trauma and living your life more. So for the first stage is, is in group and we do a lot of Deborah Lee's um, CFT trauma work and developing skills and understanding psychoeducation around trauma and tricky brain and, and, and what's happened to you and, and, and how flashbacks occur and how that makes sense from a compassionate mind, a compassionate perspective. Um, and then we're, I suppose we're, we're trying to bring in stabilization and compassion and developing capacity to go to the next part. And I, I very strongly believe in the evidence base for working through memories. And I think that, um, particularly our groups were complex PTSD. So everyone in the group will have quite significant flashbacks of the past and, and of trauma memories. Mm. So we then go to group, stay in group once a week rather than the twice a week, which is stage one. And then everybody mm. would have individual work to, to kind of work on memory reprocessing. Uh-huh. And that's really hard. Again, that bit of tolerating distress for, for the clients. They're just, mm. when we know from our measures and similar with Deborah, Deborah's measures that stage two, the distress would be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are going back into the past and the only reason we want to go back in the past is so the present is easier yes. um, but, but what is really nice is the group having each other during those, that individual time they have once a week individual work and then they meet as a group with us and we do multiple selves and parallel lives some of the phase work as a group so people might tell their story through letter writing or doing parallel life work multiple selves work but they're also doing their memory individual work with us people might, might, may not want to use that space they might just be struggling they might just want support um, and others might be doing okay and they might be encouraging so that there's a really sense of when you're doing that work there's so many highs and lows it doesn't all just get okay you know mm. and, and the group have each other to, to to really be inspired by each other and to really mm. support each other to be there um, mm. and and then that, that goes on for 12 sessions we have 12 individual sessions and we have um, 12 individual 12 group sessions and then we go into stage three where we bring in a lot of um, of, of Deirdre Faye's work, where she has, um, she talks a lot about attachment and trauma, and she has these lovely seven attachment needs. Um, you probably mm. won't be able to list them all off, but one or two of them are things like um, delight. So so often people will think about attachment, think about what you don't have. And she says, you know, as an adult, as a child, you need an adult to meet your attachment needs, but as a, as an adult, you need to meet them for yourself. So mm. when we think of post-traumatic growth, we're saying to, to our group members, they know these things have happened and have not been their fault at this point, hopefully. Um, and you didn't get a lot of your attachment needs met. But actually, how can we help you? How can you help you learn them now and meet them now? And how have the group met them? Mm. So things might be in our attachment needs like uh, learning, mentoring, having delight in someone. So when you think about a baby or, you know, we were talking about dogs earlier, you have delight in something they do. And, and how do the group members have delight in each other? How do you have delight in, for yourself? How do you turn towards what's nurturing and what's good? Yes. Um, have you had moments in the group where somebody has had delight in you? Have you had moments in the group where you felt safe? Have you had moments in the group where there's been con- like one of the attributes would be conflict and repair? So have there been moments where, where you've been in conflict but actually stayed and cared enough to stay with each other to work through it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, oh, because you, because we, we do, do it in a group and because people with complex trauma have had such horrendous experiences, often their relationships have been traumatic and mm. um, attachment wounds are opened in the group. You know, people brush against people's traumas without realizing. So I, I could not mean it, but I could forget somebody's name or say the wrong thing. And that could actually just put somebody right back into the past of not being seen or being heard. Mm. And that will be a trigger. Mm. Um, but there'll be moments where we'll work through that trigger together. Mm. Um, and it, it's not really happening um, in stage three, just really remembering those moments, working with those moments, having new memories of, of actually repair, new memories of attachment needs being met. And then thinking about how do I go and meet those in my own relationships or in my life moving on. Mm. Um, and, and one of the things that's really hard is, is the group ending because people in the group maybe have never trusted other adults before and have begun to, to trust each other. So the ending brings up loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know may, maybe our, our group is 34 sessions and maybe it should be longer. And at the same time, we'll never be able to avoid the loss of it ending. And and De- uh, Deborah Lee always talks about how you can't, you know, have 
you can't do trauma work without doing loss work. So, so grief and loss does come up in stage three as well. Mm. Um, and again, we might use multiple selves um, and parallel lives to kind of figure out actually the loss is present, but what from the past is bringing is, is coming up for you as well. Mm. Um, so I don't know if all that makes sense, but I can yeah, no, talk was, about trauma group forever. But, that, yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's amazing um, work and, and, you know, such a, a beautifully kind of, gentle gradual stepping through you know and and also acknowledging or and working with you know sort of setbacks or ruptures or other things that, are, yeah. that will occur along the way but seeing those as yeah. just more op opportunities to work with this stuff and and um in a funny sort of a way the the three stages there sort of remind me too of paul gilbert's uh sort of idea of of differentiation integration and transformation you know that the way yeah. that we sort of um you you have the preparation and 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 then the processing and and then sort of trying to thrive from there you know it's okay. it's um and and it sounds uh, you know sort of powerful moving you know stuff i can only imagine that um you know just one's own personal feelings bubble up you know, and, and uh, you know, with the distress tolerance piece that you, you mentioned there yeah. in a lot of the work you're doing, it, it sounds key in, in terms of cultivating that compassionate mind for it with everyone and distress tolerance being a little bit, you know, kind of front and center there. And we have a lovely team in both CFT and and um, and trauma. Do you know where myself and Tarity and my um, trauma colleague and our, our assistant Emma Maloney is amazing. That the three of us have our consult and we support each other. And we, you know we have supervision and yeah. Um, you know we 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 will be we are very close. You know yeah. I think doing doing that work um brings everybody very close. We're very close with the group. They're very close yeah. with each other. Mm. Um, and of course, it'll bring up things for us. So it's so it's really important that we do have that external supervisor as well to mm. um, to mm. be supportive and, and to help us see things that maybe we don't see. Mm. Um, and and it does, you know, it's it's it, it's. I, th I think compassion. It, it's it's really difficult for the clients and, and doing that work. Um, and I think the connection and the group sustain each other. And and I think. Um, then the connection as, as facilitators as we have also really sustains us in doing that work. And compassion, I think, you know, we talk about compassion a lot about suffering and, and, and you're, you're saying that I'm saying a lot about distress tolerance. Mm. And it also is about flourishing, isn't it? And yes. And that yeah. that's why we're doing this staying with the suffering is so that we flourish, is so that, mm. that people become um, the versions of them that they want to, and it's not too late. Mm. Um, and, and I think there's sadness for what maybe hasn't happened. But there's also turning towards the goodness of what we have now and yes. what we can build yeah. on. Um, yeah. and I think that also towards, sustains us. Turning yeah. towards the goodness. I, I really I like that phrase. I'll I'll, I'll sort of meditate it's a bit. phase. It's not mine now. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> DJ, yes. DJ has her new book out, doesn't she? Or coming out. Yeah, she soon. does. So that's yeah. that's gonna be yeah. exciting as well. Um, yeah, can't wait. And, and you've you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, self criticism and shame. It it, it sounds mm -hmm. like that that's somewhat sort of you know ever present across these groups. That, that you know that that's that's a big part of the work that that CFT mm -hmm. is doing there in groups. Absolutely, yeah, and, and I think um, you know I was talking to Marion, who runs the um, Living Through Psychosis program that CFT base and. I think she, you know, really when she talks about LTP, she really talks about how maybe the shame that comes up for people with psychosis and maybe even after admissions and um, having that group connection and being able to do a little bit of chair work, being able to use some of the skills and imagery work, not to not to move away from the distress, but actually to bring more of an understanding mm. um, and, and work with the critic and, and with the voices in a way that, that's compassionate and more helpful. Um, mm. I know in, in the general CFT, they do a lot of chair work. So they do a lot of interviewing the critic yes. um, as well. And, and I think in, in the trauma group and the eating disorder group, shame is just there. It's just one of the, mm. it's just a big block. It's, and, and, and I know in the trauma group, we often talk about how people are carrying the shame of what's been done to them is not their shame. You know, that belongs mm. to the person who, who harmed them. And, mm. and, I, and I think working with that is, is is difficult for everybody, mm. but I think it, it, we will get there. And then with the with eating difficulties, there's so much pressure in society around thinness and around how your body should be. 
Hmm. Um, but I, I think that competitive mindset in our society and the messages that we get can build hmm. lots of shame when we don't meet the mark hmm. of what we're expected to. So hmm. again, working with shame is just key. And I think, I think that's the argument for CFT, isn't it? In, in so many ways, is so many different models aren't targeting shame and self-criticism in the same hmm. way that CFT is. Mm. yes yeah and yet it's sort of universal and transdiagnostic and and part of clinicians as well i remember having a big chat to paul about clinician shame which was sort of a little bit what you were mm. tapping into before as well and, and i've <laughs> certainly been there um and yeah. so it, it it does seem you know kind of key um and yet you've managed to really create some incredible engagement too you know people have really engaged with these programs and you know you've you've had a, a large number of people through it now and and you you have more on on the on the list to come and 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 so on i mean it, it's it's very interesting you've done you've done something really right there to create a, a sort of a, a, a i don't know any a, a a, a way for people to sort of see it as as useful beneficial you know something that they're wanting rather than oh that compassion that sounds a bit you know um not sure i want that you know like but but something's created that engagement yeah um i, I guess one thing is is, is groups isn't it that uh, that groups are harder but people get yeah. closer and yeah. shame reduces more in the groups and, yes. and then I, I always like the phrase of setting up compassion focused therapy you know 2014 was was a risk you know and um yeah. Richard Booth the director of psychology that back then and until recently he he would he would just say let's go for it you know let, let's yeah. let, let's do it and let's do research and let the clients let us know what they think of it and if they yeah. don't like it and it's not working then we won't do it but but let's mm. go for it mm. um and i think over time and all these programs that the, you know we do do lots of qualitative research around our clients experiences um and we do outcome measures absolutely we should have more time to do better and more research but we do have some and i think the, over time the work speaks for itself and the outcomes speak for themselves and mm, mm. I think that's the beauty in working with a team and a large organization is that the clients will go back to their team and say oh, I did this group or they might meet another client and they'll say oh, I did this group and yeah. um you know what word spreads word spreads um, yeah yeah yes now that I think that's that is really very important that it it again courage you know just sort of let's go for it you know and, and that enthusiasm and and really i mean you all just embody it i mean you do basically you you, you really are and and you you too clado i mean you you really are a very beautifully compassionate person so genuine and and authentic with it all and 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 so so giving and 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 generous in in all that you do and and it, it i i think it just creates something very special and and the clients know it and feel it and and um mm. and and as you say the the word spreads so it's yeah. it, it really is amazing amazing stuff one of the little questions that i was keen to ask everyone was <laughs> my my sort of three tips question and and so you know like what given all of this and 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 all that you've you've experienced and and noticed and with yourself and perhaps with the groups but you know what what would be three tips that you would offer others who were sort of you know on on their way with their own compassionate journey bringing compassion and, and self-compassion into their into their daily lives three tips three tips so you're great three tips three gems we, we steal that from you as well oh, yes <laughs> It's um, always three. Yeah. Um, so I would think gentle steps. Um, as we said earlier, great things and good things happen with, with small steps. Yeah. Um, I would think in terms of um, practices. Do you know that 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 I think with CFT it it makes sense over time in in ways that you can't imagine. So your insight of of it builds. So keep doing the practices and be gentle with the insight. It will, it will come. Um, and then I think, I think when, when you know it's hard or when you're not feeling very popular, that, that's probably when you're being at your compassionate best. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
gentle steps, it will come. Practices make sense um, over time that, that perhaps even at first you won't even be able to imagine. Um, and when you when when it's hard, you know, you, you you probably that that probably is when you're at your compassionate best. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really wonderful. I, I I'm so pleased we um, got a chance to talk. And and uh, mm-hmm. again, I, I really appreciate giving up a, a little bit of your um, busy day to to have a chat across the world. I guess not at all it's from pleasure. Dublin to Brisbane. Oh, well, it's so lovely to see you. It's really nice to chat, and you know you're, you're so supportive to us and Pat's, and yeah. I love your books, and I, I'm hoping our clients will, will, will look at them as well and use them as workbooks. So it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you. Yes, it's thank lovely you. to get to show off all the work in Pat's as well. Thank you very much. And and if people were sort of interested in finding out more, there, there's a website there you mentioned. Is there other ways they can be in touch or that sort of thing? Yeah, I have a couple of things and I have them written down so I get them right. Um, so we have our website, website www.stpatrick's.ie. Yep. Um, and there is a Twitter page at St. Patrick's, there's a Facebook page at St. Patrick's NHS. Um, and then there's also Instagram, St. Patrick's Whims. Um, and we, we have a kind of a campaign in St. Patrick's around awareness around mental health difficulties called Walk in My Shoes. Um, so you'll have access to that on, on at St. Patrick's Wins. Okay. Um, also, there, there's another thing just to say that there's an Irish Centre for Compassion. Ah, yes. Um, that that um, Katie Baird has set up with colleagues. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't want to go through St. Pat's, there's always, and Katie works closely with us, there's always um, the Irish Centre for Compassion. And then in Galway, there's evidence-based therapy um, where Roisin Joyce runs, which is also very focused on compassion. Oh, yes. I know in the, in the Irish Centre for Compassion in Dublin, Katie is recruiting for, for more therapists. So if there's any therapists listening who want to work with Katie in Dublin, um, please contact her. It sounds um, tempting for me in a way. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, the so time that's great. might be tricky. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pop all those links down in the description Lovely. below. And uh, in fact, if you wouldn't mind sending them to me, that would be great. But yeah, thank you very much, Clodo. Uh, I really appreciate you talking and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Oh, thank you, Stan. Thank you so much. Enjoy your it's your evening time now. So hopefully you have a lovely weekend. It's time for the um, weekend. Time for the weekend. Brilliant. Yep. Thank okay, you. good. Thank you. Take care. Bye.